you know, you visualize something in your head for so long and then eventually you, you see it and it's like it's overwhelming, kind of a, uh, an overwhelming sort of feeling. In 2020, Galway International Arts Festival would debut Mirror Pavilion by the artist John Gerard, their commission for Galway 2020. A hugely ambitious 7 meter by 7 meter structure that would push the boundaries of design and use the very latest in technology to tell its story. And adding to this ambition, Mirror Pavilion would truly belong to the public, as the structure would stand not just on the banks of the Clada in Galway City, but also in the middle of Derrygimla Bog in Connemara. A project that was born out of celebration would see the world change around it and then shut down, making what seemed ambitious now look impossible. They may not be able to deliver it on time because there was this, uh, uh, there was there was a problem with a virus uh, um, called COVID-19. This is a St. Patrick's Day like no other, a day that none of us will ever forget. It became apparent that it that it it wasn't just going to affect us; it was going to affect everything. We're in the middle of a global and national emergency, a pandemic the likes of which none of us have seen before. Unknown to us, the wave was building and building, and eventually the wave came crashing, came crashing into Europe and crashing all over the world. You know, you, you have to always be prepared for the disappointment and for the big, big obstacle that you never thought could have kind of happen, and then go, okay, this is, what, this is where we're at. We have to find a resolution. We have to find a way around fixing this. But out of all this chaos, this strange cube would shine, not once, but twice. We, we were not giving up. Whatever happened with the festival, Mirror Pavilion had to go ahead. It was it was big and it was brash at a time that everybody was expected to go small. This is the story of Mirror Pavilion. When guys say, oh, we want a pavilion with the big screen in the middle of the bog. So it's not something you'd come across in, in most uh, accountants' jobs. And against all the odds, how it actually happened. This entire project would begin with a plan by Paul Fahey, the artistic director of Galway International Arts Festival. Well, we had, we'd worked with John Gerard on a couple of occasions previously and a couple of big projects. Um, and then I loved, I loved how precise he was with everything. And it's a whole, it's, it's, a, it's a very kind of different world that he, that, he, that he works in and all those kind of virtual realities that he, that he creates and that, that look a lot like video but aren't and people often think that they are. You know, I mean, John is, is really a pioneer in, in what he does. You know, he has been working with uh, digital media and simulations in particular for over 20 years. I mean, he was really one of the first people to, to to do this. My name is Lauren Panzo. I am uh, Vice President of Pace Gallery in New York, and I have the pleasure of working with a number of wonderful artists, one of them being John Gerard, to kind of watch his process and see you know the 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 fruition. You know, see his work and his 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 ideas come to fruition is pretty amazing. I mean, from his like very early 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 ideas that he kind of talks through with you and sends you all of his research and you know to like every step of the way, and then you finally see the final product and you're like, whoa, this is amazing. Um, you can never quite picture it. You know, it's just it's better than you would you would ever imagine. When Galway was preparing the bid book for the European Capital Culture, you know, we wanted to do something that was going to be off scale and ambitious and, and you know, something that we probably wouldn't be able to do. I mean, we do things of scale and they're ambitious all the time, obviously. But, you know, there was the possibility of having additional funds to be able to do, to do, do something that we would probably wouldn't be able to afford kind of normally or whatever. I had this idea of, of, of having this very kind of modern, very kind of contemporary looking physical structure 
somewhere in the middle of, of, of Connemara is where I was kind of thinking. Um, and somewhere that people could, could go in and look out and they would kind of engage with the landscape or whatever. But, but then what they'd be looking at art-wise would be some, some kind of virtual piece or some kind of very high-end kind of technical piece. Um, and I thought the only person who kind of delivered that would be John Gerard. So we were having a conversation about about various ideas and whatever, and he showed me a very early piece that he had uh, he, that he was experimenting of this leaf covered figure, and he had covered his sister um, in their family home with just branches and leaves. I made a piece called Leaf uh, a leaf cut. Well, I made a leaf covered figure uh, working with my sister Esther around about two thousand and three. And this is John Gerard. And um, where you take spring leaves and you um, dress someone up in spring leaves, basically. And uh, when I saw that character, it um, it had a very kind of powerful resonance, you know, about uh, it's kind of like a plant human hybrid. I've always been interested in in sort of human relationships to what I would describe as sustaining landscapes. But so that was around about 2003. Um, and so when Paul Fahey approached me around about Galway 2020, what eventually became the capital of culture, but at that time was a a big book, basically. And then we, so John came back over to Galway and we did, um, we did kind of a big recce around town, just, just trying to see how it would be inspired by Galway. And we were both staying on the bridge one day and just looking at the power of the River Carrop, which is like, it's, an, it's one of the, I think it's the fastest river in Ireland, but it's certainly, you know, you don't really see rivers of that force kind of powering their way through cities. It's an incredibly powerful river that flows through Galway uh, and which historically intersected with the landscape because it was lined with flour mills. You know, so the the wheels uh, the wheels of the mills were in the river turning, and you would you would see your know, grain being ground into flour to become bread. John was taking lots of photographs and making little videos or whatever. But one of he made this really really simple, lovely little iPhone video um, that we still look at every now and again. And it was off one of the the canal tributaries that goes into the River Corrib. But there's a little kind of like little tiny little mini waterfall. But the power of it was like was fabulous. Just seeing this you know power of water flowing into this powerful river. And with how 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 what. How do we make something that kind of comments on that? At one point, we thought we might do a bridge across the river, basically, a, a mirrored bridge uh, with uh, a simulation like in, uh, installed within it, uh, and that didn't progress. So uh, we ended up with these with this mirrored cube. We, you know, we'd walked up and down that river so often, and then we, we just said, actually, you know, that that middle pier in Clada is the perfect spot for it because it's you know it's where the river is kind of ending and the ocean's about to begin, and you know it's such an iconic spot in Galway to come across to the Spanish Arch and the Long Walk and all that. So um, yeah, so it was amazing when we like when we finally kind of decided, okay, this is this is the, the this. The, point. the idea and location were set. Mir Pavilion would be the flagship project in Galway's bid for European Capital of Culture, with the structure standing first at the Clada as the piece Cornwork, before eventually moving to Derrigimla Bog as the piece Leafwork. With that entered Galway 2020's head of programme, Marilyn Gohan Redden, and chief executive of Galway International Arts Festival, John Crumlish. Paul and I had a conversation in Temple Cafe, and he had a really clear vision. Um, a really, really clear vision. And we met with John Gerard. And what I find really interesting is all these years later, that vision has stayed absolutely steadfast. And I think that Paul as a curator and a commissioner and John as an artist had that unified vision. And when you have such a strong and clear path, then that doesn't change. You know, you're always excited about going bigger. That's, you know, in terms of large scale, you, you know, you want to, you know, you, as a festival, you love for doing projects like that, you know, big, exciting projects.
projects are, you know, the wow factor. You you want to matter on a European, on a national, international, and on a global scale. Like, so you get an Irish artist who works large scale, who's a big international reputation, and put that together to come to Galway during, you know, what was designed to be a very special year for Galway. Uh, we were very excited about it. We loved the idea. So the Bidbook went in, I think it was in 2015. And then during the festival in 2016 was when the, when the announcement was made. It actually happened during the festival. I remember there was a, they'd installed like some big TV screens down on Main Guard Street. I know exactly where I was when the announcement was made. And it was, you know, hugely emotional moment. I always remember it. I remember the feeling. Like scoring a goal in a big match. It was just that kind of, yes. You know, I think it was, it was kind of proper that Galway, you know, Galway deserved it. And, you know, we certainly couldn't have done the Merritt Pavilion without their support. That was July 2016. Almost immediately afterwards, we started putting plans in place. I remember John coming to Galway and discussing it with us and just thinking, wow, if this, this could be... This could be really, really good. With the bid now successful, it'd be all hands on deck to make Muir Pavilion happen, which meant bringing in the rest of the team. It's a production. So the first step to, to be ambitious is you need, you need a good budget. So we had a very good budget, and that's the first step. Jerry Cleary, I'm the financial controller with Galway International Arts Festival. Basically, I manage all the financial, particularly the budgeting side of things. Obviously, when guys say, oh, we want to put a um, pavilion with the big screen in the middle of the bog. So it's not something you'd come across in, in most uh, accountants' jobs. The second step is, you know, one of the qualities of a festival is that it, um, it does an awful lot in a very short period of time. The festival will take on big bills, particularly, you know, almost sort of um, tradition of concerts and theatre. And, you know, it's it's a very intense engagement with, with, with big, 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 complicated projects. Adam Fitzsimons is my name, and I'm the production manager for the Galway Arts Festival. As such, I would have been uh, brought in to work as production manager and oversee production for the Mirror Pavilion project when we first were commissioned through Galway 2020. Mostly I just get these things and you just look at the feasibility of it, the practicalities of it, the cost of it, uh, how you would go about doing it. You kind of take a slightly detached view on how this thing can actually work or not. When building something that needs to withstand the elements, planning would be key, as producer Declan Gibbons recalls. A good few years ago I was involved in an ice rink down at the end of the Clada and on New Year's Day, maybe 15 years ago, uh, I went to work because we were opening it at whatever, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. And it was in the river. <laughs> Basically, what had happened, a gust of wind had come. Literally, it, like, like it happened within a few minutes and blew the thing up and it it bent. Uh, and it took the uh, it took the marquee with it and it was, was in the river. Now, luckily, there was no there were there were no skaters in the river. <laughs> And that's sort of the worst. That's what you think about. You say, okay, you're, 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 you want to erect. It's, it's seven meters tall, which is like, okay, what's that? Is, is that? is that? Is that? How big is that? And then you start thinking, oh my god, that's actually really high. That's like bigger than most people's houses. Is it possible that you put it in a very exposed site? There's no shelter. Um, you're, you're out at the end of a pier. Could it get blown into the river? Well, absolutely, it could get blown into the river. We have to build the suits, um, which involved me 
uh, you know, approaching farmers in North Tipperary and, 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 you know, kind of negotiating that we would get the four crops of, of the corn work. All those suits then had to be 3D modeled, so that, that took a long time, you know, transforming the suits from being, you know, a documentation of the suit into being like a model of the suit, a 3D model of the suit. And then we had the motion capture sessions where we had a month where dancers were coming once a week for a week each time. I'm Fanola Cronin. I'm a, a dancer. I do remember thinking this is very alien, you know, <laughs> what's going on here. Um, and I think it probably took me a, a little, you know, an hour or so to sort of just get back into my body, you know, to forget about any constraints that I might feel with with the dots, <laughs> for want of a better word. And finally, I have a, a group of producers and collaborators I've worked with for many, many years. Exhibition designer Jacob Bellera, uh, producer Werner Putzelberger, programmer Hamid Bressler. And they all came together to not only make the work, but also to design the installation. Jacob was very much involved with the design of the installation. So I think all in all, you know, it's probably a team about 15, 20 people in total, you know, delivering those projects. You know, John John has his team that he works with um, uh, in his studio. And uh, we sat in this very room that, that, that we're in now recording with our production and technical team looking at the practical ways of how do we kind of get those ideas and make them physically, uh, man manifest them physically. What, what is a mirror pavilion? So when we decided on kind of like what it would look like or whatever, so you kind of go, okay, materially, what, what, what are you going to use? How is it going to, like, you know, will it be resilient to like the outdoors and to the weather and all that? So what the actual mirror is, it's actually, it's brushed aluminium. And so depending on the le on how on how intense you 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 polish it kind of with the, you know, with all the industrial machines that they're making it or whatever, that determines the, the the, the level of kind of not luminosity reflection I guess so so it's actually a brushed aluminium that looks like mirror um, and then finding okay so, so so it's also it's a material that's actually, actually used in a lot of skyscrapers um, so like the amount of things that I you know that, that you learned oh god I never knew something like that even existed endless conversations and meetings have been done for many many months and even into a couple of years as to uh, how is the what is the best way to physically make this I mean, the pier is, is, is designed as a pier. It's not designed as a foundation for a large, heavy object. You know, that the pier is it's a few hundred years old. So if you put this structure on it, you know, could you damage the pier? Could the pier, you know, is it possible? Is it possible the pier could collapse? Um, and I mean, all these things are, they, they could all, they're, they're all entirely possible. We looked at hydropower. We looked at whether we could put, uh, there's a head of water on the canal behind Roshindov, we looked at could we use that, we looked at could we use the river, we looked at solar power, we looked at wind. You would go quite far down one road with, with renewable, with a certain renewable source only to find that it just wasn't feasible. The project was progressing, but little did the team know that one aspect of the project would signal an oncoming storm where the world was about to change. We got, we got over... We got over all those hurdles of uh, should we put it there and can we get permission to put it there and we progressed it. So my name is Sinead McPhillips and I was the marketing manager with Goa International Arts Festival in 2020, the year that Mirror Pavilion uh, was premiered. It was very exciting and, you know, 8th April was to be the, the official opening date and that was very much etched in our brains, you know, 8th of, 8th of April, this was, this was it. This was the moment when the pavilion was going to be standing standing tall on, on the cloud of key but as we all know uh, things took a bit of a turn the screen was always going to be the latest available technology for led screens 
The screen is is actually a, a, an LED wall. Um, it's made up of LED tiles. So each one of those tiles sits in a cabinet and there's 16 of these tiles in the cabinet. And then the cabinets are mounted onto a structure that we designed and commissioned and nine of those cabinets across and nine of those cabinets up. So there's 81 of those cabinets. Slightly over 2.2 million pixels, 2.2 million LEDs, individual LEDs in that wall. John had worked before with um, a, a supplier in Shanghai. They're called Linzo. We looked at a lot of different places and they were kind of most competitive in the kind of screen we wanted and the kind of luminosity we needed on the, on the, on the LEDs and all that. So we got... I think one meter square, maybe two meter square of like a test panel. And then they sent it to Galway and we basically put it, left it out in the rain <laughs> because it had to be waterproof. And we had to say, okay, you know, the Chinese say it's waterproof, but do they know what water is? <laughs> do they know what Galway weather's like? So I was supposed to go over there as well. I was supposed to go over to look at the screen and to check it before we bought it, before we committed to it. And then the company were saying that there's a, a thing happening over here that's delaying our production of the screen. Across Asia, as the Wuhan pneumonia outbreak continues to spread, a second person has died in China, and Thailand has reported its second case of... Then in December, the factory said that they may not be able to deliver it on time because there was this... Uh, uh, th there, was, there was a problem with a virus uh, um, called COVID-19. China has identified the cause of the mysterious pneumonia outbreak in Wuhan. We started to hear about Wuhan, and, and I remember, like, I remember when they got in touch with us to say, you know, things aren't looking great over here, and things might close, so we might not be able to meet the, the your timeline. And I remember emailing the director of Goi 2020 saying, you know, this is just making you aware, not sure this is anything to be concerned about, but just making you aware that we've just had this correspondence from China. And I was just reading in the paper that you know, the World Health Organization are meeting to, that particular day to decide whether it was kind of a global pandemic or what it was. I mean, it must have been early 2020, I think. COVID blew up in um, China and the factories got shut down, basically. Like the, 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 the manufacturing got shut down. When you order it, they have to build it. They don't just you don't just get one off the shelf when it's that size. So they have to build this. They have to build all the panels, and they have to they they have to assemble seven meter by seven meter, and they have to fully test it and make sure it all works and all of that. And they started talking just before Christmas, saying that there may be a problem. The initial concern actually was the Chinese New Year. The factories in China all closed for about two weeks or more around Chinese New Year. Uh, and they, they didn't reopen. They were supposed to reopen after after new Chinese New Year, and they didn't reopen. So our problem then was our factory in China is, is closed. We can't get our screen. And we had this conversation where we kind of said, gosh, you know, this this whole this whole China thing, this, this could really impact us. Not thinking that how it was going to impact us, but really just that we may not get our screen in time and that we might have to wait another you know, months before we could officially open the pavilion. Sort of January, February, and then obviously March, that was it. Boom. Good evening. This is a St. Patrick's Day like no other. A day that none of us will ever forget. And our concern changed from one of being, this could be, as I say, inconvenience about a screen being delayed to a situation where the project could be delayed to a situation where we were discussing the fact that would our festival be going ahead in July. It happened so fast. We're in the middle of a global and national emergency, a pandemic, the likes of which none of us have seen before. 
you know, there, there was basically a wave had started in China and the wave, we, we unknowest to us, the wave was building and building and eventually the wave came crashing, came crashing into Europe and crashing all over the world. But many will be hospitalised and sadly some people will die. He went from inconvenience to a concern about the project to a concern about, oh God, this is coming. We were catapulted into darkness, you know, the lights went off in the venues, the doors closed, uh, the shutters came down and, you know, we, we had no concept of how long this was going to take, I suppose. So I think with each week, we just, I suppose, it became clearer to us that there probably would not be a July festival and that there probably wouldn't be a Mirror Pavilion in July either. No industry would be left untouched by the pandemic and the arts were devastated as around the world, venues were forced to close their doors. Even Broadway had to turn off its lights. Joining us now is Lee Sheps, senior reporter for InsideEdition.com. And Lee, when we talk about the move that has been made just in terms of shutting down Broadway, is this something that's unprecedented? Yeah, well, to put this into perspective, when 9-11 happened, Broadway closed for two days. Two days. And this is an entire month. Broadway shows aren't expected to resume. Yeah, so we've, we have a thing called a risk register with the festivals, the risk that, you know, the festival, the government's restrictions would prevent the festival going ahead at all, or that we're looking at different scenarios, no festival, that you can go ahead of festival, but restricted audiences. Like, so initially with our festival itself, we would have been looking at the festival Big Top, which holds just over 3,000. So... Well, if we can, we can't do that, and we'd already tickets on sale for some of the shows in the big top, so that was a big issue for us. If we we can't do the festival with the big top, but we can go ahead with some other events, and we're looking at different scenarios there. So the, obviously there was a risk that we went ahead with the festival, and then the country was still shut down. It became apparent that it that it it wasn't just going to affect us; it was going to affect everything, uh, and that all essentially all arts events. We're going to be shut down, and you can't. There's no point in panicking at that stage because it's you know it's 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 such a bigger thing, and it's you know so beyond your control that you just have to you know, obviously you have to accept it and say well that that is now it's a much more obviously at that stage. I mean, it was so serious at that stage. I mean, what what, what we were seeing at that stage, we were seeing daily pictures on on the news, especially in Italy. I mean, in northern Italy, in the ski soaps in Italy, it seemed was the first place in Europe where where it really took hold. Their, 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 their hospitals were completely overrun and they were under, you know, there were, there were people dying and it was an incredibly serious and worrying situation. And so that, that like, our artwork on the end of a pier became, very quickly became, right, okay, this, that, this, there's, there's, there's far more serious things to worry about than that. So we'll just put that on hold and we'll see what, see what happens. And it may not happen. Um, but, you know, likewise, dozens of other events in Galway and all throughout the country, arts events, weren't going to happen either. So that was that that was where we were. We were doing multiple budgets. We were meeting. I said we were meeting the board at least once once a week, maybe maybe more. Be presenting budget scenarios to them, saying, "Well, as I said, if we go, if we have to cancel, this is the the implications. If we have to, if we go ahead and we can do certain events, this is the implications." If somehow the full festival goes ahead, this is the implications. Um, what are the implications of postponing? You know, you would have paid deposits on, on certain things. So what's the, what's the situation there? The key date, and I think I'm right in saying, was May the 5th, when the T-shirt came out and said, this is our roadmap 
for the next number of months. He put out a COVID roadmap. And, you know, our assessment at the time was this is becoming more and more unlikely. And every week, you know, there was nothing positive. There was nothing between March and his announcement that led you to believe, oh, chink light, maybe it's not so bad. We cancelled the festival officially. You know, we assumed that was coming, but we, we had to cancel the festival then straight away because the roadmap uh, didn't allow for it. There's always ups and downs and there's always a journey and there's always things that happen. It's really how you respond to it. And uh, Go International Arts Festival responded very quickly. We, we were not giving up, you know, everything was being planned and with the, with the hope that at some point in that year it could happen because obviously it was 2020 and it was the European Capital of Culture 2020 and so therefore whatever happened with the festival, Mir Pavilion had to go ahead. You know, you, you have to always be prepared for the disappointment and for the big, big obstacle that you never thought could have kind of happen and then go, okay, this is, what, this is where we're at. We have to find a resolution. We have to find a way around fixing this. By the time things were getting shutting down here, things were opening up in China. So China were going back to work when we were, we locked down in March. Maybe about a month after that, China opened up again. So our factory opened up. So we, what we did then was we, we actually... Yeah, we paid them the rest of the money and we got the re- we got the screen. The day we heard it was leaving China and we got the photograph was a joyous one. But we said, well, let's get the screen. Let's get our, get everything we need to do this so that we're ready so that if there is an opportunity, you know, to, to put it up, we can we can put it up. And we got the screen to go. We said, well, let's let's get it to go away. Because it, it, it was, as you know, it was an evolving situation. Month to month, we didn't know how long our lockdown was going to be. It was sort of a lockdown. We're locked down for three weeks and then we're locked down for another three weeks. So we didn't know when it was going to, I mean, nobody knew when it was going to end. Well, I mean, I suppose everything had to be approached with such caution. And, you know, we were obviously we were all glued to the news 24-7 and the government guidelines. Things began to improve and things began to open up. The The, the regulations about having people at outdoor events went, we kept changing. Originally, you could have, I think, 200 people at an outdoor event. The goalposts were changing by the day. That's, that's, a, that's a good number to work with. So let's, let's do that. And then we began to look at when we would do it. And, you know, within the regulations, there, there was an opportunity to do it in September of 2020. Everything was assembled here, led, led by Simon Kennedy, our, our master carpenter. My name is Simon, and my role, I suppose, would be lead carpenter. Um, I'm given the brief, and I cl- cross-collaborate with Adam to, to make it happen. We built the screen in its entirety in a, in a studio in Clare Galway, and we used that to test it to run it while we were putting together and building the scaffolding in Clada and the, the panelling in our workshop in Moycullen. The, the building aspect which happened in Moycullen in the, in the Arts Festival workshop and that was that was stage one that was going through all the drawings measuring up the panels and the quantity of of the different materials we needed trying to get crew sorted for for the building aspect because each of the panels are they're large and they're heavy so each stage involved minimum six people to to move a panel panel to lift it into position to turn it to apply the glue um, so each stage had to be kind of coordinated like a bit of a, a military operation so we had three sites on the go to build the different elements of it but we tested at each site so we knew that when we arrived in the clada and um, we didn't have a lot of room and we didn't have a lot of time and everyone would be watching us 
that we weren't putting it together for the first time. As long as we we have dates within a few weeks of advance, we can organise the build uh, quite rapidly. So we effectively built it in three parts off-site and then rebuilt it. There were no projects really happening in, in the country at the time and we had to make a plan to make sure that it worked. We were dealing with the department because we were putting in our you know, health and health and safety and uh, all of our risk assessments and all that kind of stuff. And there's like the amount of detail and all that that our you know, event controller and our production team and all that is behind the scenes that you know ge- the general audience would never even think you know happens. I suppose without getting too philosophical, it was like, you know, it, it was, it was, it was great. There was very, I don't know how many arts events happened in 2020. Like like large scale events, the, 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 there's very very few. Um, so we really wanted to see. Well, if there's a way to do this, let's see if we can do this. And it, we 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 could have very easily decided. Listen, do you know what? It's only fifty people on the pier. It's it's you know it's not enough. We'll let let's just cancel it. Let's just you know, it, the, the, there's too many hurdles to jump. To to um so let's just you know let's just put it back in the warehouse and, and we'll do it again in a couple of years time or something. We really wanted to to see if if this could be done. Let's do it because there's nothing else happening, and it would be good. You know, first of all, it'd be good for us to do it <laughs> because we wanted to do it, but it'd also be good for for Galway to do it and to have an a, an arts event um that people could could enjoy and because because at that stage as well people like ourselves included we'd all been basically locked up you know we'd all been at home for months and we needed to we needed to get out we needed to see other people and we needed things to be happening and there was there was nothing else happening so that that became a sort of a, a target for us to sort of say well okay Let's let's see if we can we can make it happen. And with that, the build could commence. But it was I mean I have to say it was thrilling. And that, that very first day that we started the build on there, it was like thirty something people who were on the cruise between the build crew and between the scaffolding crews and the, all that kind of stuff. And it was just the most joyous day to to that first day when we went on site in the clatter to see that the smiling faces of crew delighted to be back doing something but then also knowing that this is going to be a very special kind of gleaming object that would be you know it kind of became almost like a beacon of hope in a way yeah it was really important to have kept going it really was uh, the scaffolding takes two days uh the walls take three days the roof takes a day the screen takes two days but they the screen and the walls happen at the same time a week. I think I think that moment of actually the, the panels going on and then the screen going on was 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 really just was really exciting. So we build the scaffolding, or rather, we bring in contractors to build the scaffolding. Then they weigh it down with seven tons of ballast. You're presented quite a big, high, flat object to the wind, so couldn't be any scope for it to blow over or twist or move in any way, shaking the wind. When it was being built, I mean, it's quite it's quite a mammoth task to build it. So each individual panel clamps onto the side, the back, and then we do a second row at the top, and then we build the roof. And at the same time, there's a separate team that builds the screen from the bottom up. And it's just like tiling a wall, so there's 81 of those cabinets, so you just do the, start, the first row and then build your way up. It's a complicated operation, everything had to run smoothly in order for it to, to work well. It went according to plan, yeah. It was, it was, once we had it in, it was like there's always going to be a couple of little snags, and when you're built something that precise and trying to get something, three different elements to fit together, yeah, there's a bit of to and fro, but it went to plan. It was very exciting, and it was just lovely as well to see. I suppose the curiosity of people who are kind of going, what's what's going on? I mean, you have to remember this is this is a city where nothing happened for months, and suddenly you see all this activity. You know, you visualise something in your head for so long, and then eventually you, you see it, and it's 
like it's overwhelming kind of a, uh, an overwhelming sort of feeling we 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 got to deliver it and we and also the fact that the world had completely changed since we started you know in in terms of the way that the what are all the things that had happened in the world since we started the project so it was it was really it was great to deliver it and, and great to be able to, to be able to switch it on yeah it was great yeah i mean you know the piece makes sense as a public artwork first of all and it makes sense with the straw wheel the corn wheel the sun wheel turning by the river um and it makes sense at that scale and um you know, my main feeling was just like that, 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 uh, the piece made sense now, you know, because it was designed for that setting. And so now it's there, which is great. Be- such a beautiful physical structure. Getting out of- yeah, actually, somebody said the other day out in the bog, God, it looks effortless, which is what we were hoping it would do. It looks effortless. And in a way, sometimes you, you, when you see some pictures, you kind of go, it actually does. It looks seen. It looks like it was just plonked in there. Um, but the plonking in there is takes an awful lot of hard work and ingenuity from all our great team. So when we saw that turned on in the Clada, it was just great to say, OK, here it is. I hope you engage as an audience with it for the time you have it. Yes, it was thrilling. We really wanted to put on something in Galway, you know, to say we're still here, 2020 is still on, we're still going to celebrate Galway. And people didn't expect it. It was it was big and it was brash at a time that everybody was expected to go small. Yeah, I think I think it was it was this real beacon of hope for people and, and gave comfort and support at a time when when we really needed it. Really fundamentally to see originally just to see corn work emerging in the most difficult of circumstances, you know, like in, in the, just as COVID was, you know, becoming kind of really entrenched, uh, we got this object up and, and it was just a kind of a break for people. They could walk down, it was outside, you know, they could, they could see, you know, sort of a very significant artwork in scale terms. Um, and you know witness some culture you know i just i just love that after this long period where everything was shut and people were you know shut in you know that they could step out and could come down and, and see this thing my favorite comment about of the whole thing so myself and paul fahey uh were standing there maybe at nine o'clock at night the screen had just been switched on and there was an elderly man from the clad can i come over and lay over the far side of the, the, the lock and, and shadows and says, hey lads, what are you at? <laughs> and I said to him, that is probably the best question we will be asked in the next three weeks. <laughs> to which he said, no, seriously, what are you at? And Paul explained the concept to him and he went, oh, okay, stood with him in it and then went away. But it was just the most fantastic question. Hey lads, what are you at? Over those next few weeks, Mirror Pavilion would shine on the clatter. A message to all we can get through the dark. Good evening. All across Europe and much of the rest of the world, COVID-19 infections are on the rise. I want to speak to you tonight about our country's ongoing battle against the virus, about where we are in that battle and about what is going to happen. Throughout winter, COVID cases would rise. Restrictions would change and there was particularly dark Christmas. These are the toughest of times, but the Irish people will persevere and we will come through this together. But as the days got longer, things would change. Vaccines arrived and things opened up again as best they could. 
And so, Mirror Pavilion leafwork could happen. And just as it did on the Cleda, this beautiful odd structure would light up a bog in Connemara. You know, seeing it, seeing it in Derigimla Bog, and, and I, you know, I've I've been to that location before and done the walk, and it's a, it's a stunning part of Connemara. But to see this incredible piece of art, literally just you know, plonked in the middle of it is 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 quite breathtaking. And I think you know we're so lucky to have Connemara so close to Galway, like it's it's literally on our doorstep, and then to to bring art to this this remote area and for people to experience both nature and art in in the same breath is is really beautiful what you think when you, when you see it we love it yeah. we love it it's, uh, we come here often walking in the winter so it's lovely to see this it's like something that it, i was saying is something like aliens just came out of <laughs> yeah. it just dropped out of space extraordinary installation in in this environment and uh, I think it's very evocative of, of, of what John is trying to say about the environment and the human impact that we've had on the, on the environment. It makes people think a little bit, I think. What are your first thoughts What always fascinated me about this festival, before I ever became involved with it, and, before, and you know what, I didn't even articulate it, but, but over the years I have articulated it and thinking about it. But I always loved, I, I couldn't get over, even though the festival was much smaller, you know, go, going way back, um, but it, you know, it was, it had great ideas and was big in ambition. And from way, way back, I always kind of really admired how this festival in particular impacted change in a place. Um, and it just made people kind of see things slightly differently. And, you know, and, and because it had to be innovative and um, uh, and do things out of necessity in the way it kind of transformed venues and all that kind of stuff, something that we continue to do to this day uh, out of desire as well as necessity. But, um, but to see how you can, you know, how you can present something in some kind of a way. So whether it's, you know, um, something just on the street that'll kind of surprise a family or whatever or you can do a great piece of political theatre that'll just capture somebody's you know mindset for a few minutes and again maybe make them change the way they think or not even change the way they think just consider an idea for a little bit longer and I think with, with something like this as extraordinary as the Mirror Pavilion is on the most spectacular landscape with such an important message I think it's kind of covering a lot of great areas so I hope that people would take from it as like that important message of you know do one thing to make make the world a better place but also to see how extraordinary this fantastic piece of sculpture in the middle of nowhere can you know bring together a community to discuss something or to experience something in a cultural kind of a way that has a very important message at its core um, so yeah, I hope they do that. You know, the, the leaf work in Connemara is kind of, it's kind of incredible in a way. It's sort of unbelievable in a way because you've got this great plain of the bog of Derigimla and the piece looks a bit like an apparition there. You know, it sort of reaches up to the sky, you know, and if you're behind it, it's, it sort of it gets lost a little bit in the landscape. And if you're at the front, you've got this sort of strange melancholy performance. So I just, uh, I'm just very, very delighted to see it up, you know, against the odds in a little way. But thanks to the perseverance and the, you know, the, um, you know, the, uh, the care in a way of the festival um, and of Goy 2020 sticking with it, uh, we, we made it in the end and we got it up. It just so stood out and yet so belonged there all at the same time. It was utterly alien and at the same time it belonged. Where it catches you unaware, 
even you have been with it for so long and it's that oh moment uh, you know when it catches you like Seamus Heaney has a great line about catching the heart unaware and blowing it open it, it's like that it just when it comes up to its full height and slaps you and you go wow <laughs> 